It is good to have you in the house of the Lord as we come to worship God together. Amen, church? Amen. It is good to see your faces and to worship God together. Today, we are continuing our series on the practices of disciples of Jesus Christ. And over the past three weeks, we have been talking about some of the things that we need to do as disciples that will keep us tethered in our faith and connected to God. And we talk about these practices as what we are expected to do as disciples of Jesus Christ. They're practices that Jesus has modeled for us and that we are expected to do. And I've shared with you that these practices or being disciples and doing these practices are similar to an apprenticeship. You know, when you're an apprentice, you, you sit beside the master and you follow the master around, trying to see what the master is doing and doing the same thing, making sure you're doing what the master does so that you can perfect that art. As I was thinking about it, I thought of how important these practices are to us and, and how we need to do them to stay charged and connected to Christ. And I think about our cell phones and other mobile services, mobile devices that we have, our smart devices. And you and I know that our cell phones and our smart devices can only work if they have power, right? If, if you go to, say, uh, an Apple store or if you go to one of the service providers where you can get a smartphone or a smart device to use, the device itself will come charged. But once you start making phone calls, once you start texting, once you start checking your emails, once you start checking the, the balances in your checking accounts, you'll realize that the battery starts getting low, right? And, and if you have an iPhone like I do, or probably even another a Samsung, you will get these built-in alerts that say, power low. And the next thing you will see is that there is a red, there, there is this red on the battery icon at the top of your phone. And so you want to make sure that you're still able to do what you're, you, you're doing on your phone. So you run and you grab the charger and you connect it to the electrical outlet or the mobile charger that you have. Anybody has ever done that before? Because I have. <laughs> I think of these spiritual practices that we do and we're supposed to do as chargers. And, and, and I think of it in the way that these are the chargers that we need to connect us to the power source who is Jesus Christ our Lord. Because if, if we are not connected, if, if we are not properly charged, we can't live fully as disciples of Jesus Christ. We can't live the full and abundant life that Christ says that he came so that we could have. We can't live fully as true witnesses to Jesus Christ. And that's the reason I think that Jesus has modeled them for us so that we can stay connected to him. You see, church, life has enough problems of its own. And the cares of life come ever so often at us in unrelenting ways and, and the burdens of life are so heavy that we need to stay connected to the source. And so these spiritual practices help us to do that. I think that's the reason Jesus invites all of us to come with our cares and to cast them upon him. Jesus tells us to come, all of us who are wearied and burdened by the weight of life, come to him and find rest. And so it's in praying 
It's in reading and studying scripture daily. It's in gathering in here for worship in this place where God is present with us and the spirit of God rests upon us and imbues us with the grace to go forward and live each day and to go and bring the same grace into the world that we are able to do life and to do life well. So the spiritual practices are very important in the life of the believer. They're very important in the life of the disciple. And so the passage of scripture that was read by Megan this morning from the Gospel of Luke is one of those, those passages that I think is important because today I want us to delve into serving. One of the spiritual practices that we should do as disciples of Jesus Christ, serving in ministry. Now as you've heard that Jesus sent out 72 disciples and he told them to go into the towns and the places that he would have been going on his way to Jerusalem. And Jesus gave them a few instructions about accommodations and hospitality. But he sent them out to do a particular task. Now there is something about this text that I really want us to pay attention to. You see, I could have chosen another text about serving. For example, I could have used the text about Jesus washing the disciples' feet when they were quarreling about who is the greatest. And that would have been very good. But I want us to look at this passage of scripture because it begins by saying after this. And, and, and what is the after this? Is that Jesus had sent out 12, his 12 disciples first and had given them power. Now, these disciples we know, we know them because their names are mentioned repeatedly. We know them as the apostles of Jesus. We know them, Peter, James, Andrew, John. I should tell you how this morning I forgot the names of the disciples in the chapel, and I had to say the other 11, but, you know, clarity is back with me this morning. Peter, James, John, Andrew, we know these names. Jesus sent them out. That's in chapter 9, but, but, but in this chapter, Jesus sent out 72. Who they are, we don't know. Their names, we don't know. And, and you may ask me, Pastor Carolyn, why is that important? You see, ever so often we think that serving in ministry, especially when the word ministry is attached to serving, we think it's for a few. We think it's for those who are in the inner circle of Jesus. We think it's for the Jesses and the Megans and the Joshes. But this passage of scripture makes us know that serving is for everyone. We may never know the names of these disciples that Jesus sent out. All we were told is that 72 of them were sent. Ordinary people. You and me and and everybody who calls upon the name of the Lord, everybody who is a follower of Jesus Christ has the same instruction to go and to tell the good news. This is important, church, because if we think of serving in ministry as only for a selected few, then the gospel will not reach the many. If we think serving in ministry is only for those who are ordained, then many will never know that God's love is also for them. So here Jesus sent out 72 people who we do not know, but he empowered them to go into these towns and to these places, and he told them to heal the sick and tell them that the kingdom of God is at hand. Isn't that good news, church? 
Isn't that good news? I don't know about you, but growing up in a country that was poor, growing up in a community that was poor, growing up in a family that was poor, I would love to hear this news. I can imagine hearing this news that the kingdom of God is for me also. The kingdom of God is near. And I can imagine what it would have been like in my family to hear that news. You see, church, I grew up Pentecostal. I've shared this with you before. And many of these members lived in poverty. And so to have someone come and, and lay their hands on them in the power of the Holy Spirit and, and pray over them and they feel the presence of God in their bodies and, and realize that they are being healed is a moment for rejoicing in the church. It's a, it's a moment for shouting hallelujah in the church. And, and having someone come in with a word that God says the kingdom of God is for you also. It's not just for some, but it's for everyone. It's a time of rejoicing in the church. I, I have been in the places where I've seen poverty and, and I've known people who never had money to go to the doctors. And even if they could scrape together something and, and go to the doctors, they had been in their sickness for so long that by the time they get to the doctors, the sickness was too far gone and doctors could do nothing for them. And so to have someone come under the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit and pray for such a one and the person is healed is a moment for celebration. To have someone come and say, the kingdom of God is here and it's right now and, and you are a part of that kingdom is a moment for rejoicing. And so the 72 went out as Jesus instructed them and the primary instruction was to go and to heal the sick. And to tell them the kingdom of God is here. Church, the world needs to hear that the kingdom of God is here. There's a hurting and a hungry world outside that need to know that the kingdom of God is here. That they are healed by the love of God and, and we can point them to the, the ministries and the resources that can Give them what they need to live each day. You, you see, when we gather in this place for worship, when we meet God in this place and, and the grace of God has been given to us, we are now challenged and, 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 and given the responsibility to go out and share that with others. I learned something when I, when I moved to the U.S. I learned that if you live in a house, if you have a house, if you have a car, if you have a job, you're richer than 90% of the people in the world. The world has over 7.2 billion people. And I know when we talk about the world, we, we, we think of countries in Africa and other far-off places, but the world also includes the U.S., it includes places right here in Atlanta. And I've learned that there are so many people who are living on the fringes of society who yet have not known and do not know that God loves them too. That God has provided for them just the same and that the kingdom of God is also for them. Growing up, even being poor, we still had some resources. 
I would have never imagined coming to the U.S. and seeing people living in, in, in certain ways that belie what we have heard about the wealth in this country. And, and it's not just a matter of financial wealth, but even where the wealth of one's soul, the health of one's soul is concerned, people need to hear that the kingdom of God has come and has come for them and God's love, God's healing love is also for them. And this is what serving is about. You see, serving is our outward response to the love of God in our lives. So we now go and tell others. We go and show others that God is also with them and for them. And the kingdom of God is also for them. The truth is, St. Mark, you are no strangers to serving. When I came here several years ago for my internship, I remember serving one morning in the breakfast club. You have been doing this for over 30 years, rain or shine, even in the pandemic. When I came back a few weeks ago and when we had our Make Your Mark Day, I, I went downstairs and team three, they were doing their thing. They were serving. Men and women who are unhoused and food insecure know they have a place that they can come Saturday morning after Saturday morning and be fed and be served and be cared for. And we have our Tuesday evening supper club. And we have done the blessing of the feet where we, we care for the feet of those who have walked these streets and, and do not have the means to go to the doctors and, and to be checked on and, and to be whole and to be well. I know we have done mission trips. I know we have done food drive and we have done so much, but what I don't want us to do is to stop. What I don't want us to do is to think that we have done enough. What I don't want us to do is to now start becoming inward focus. I said earlier this morning, I think Pam may have peered over my shoulders when I was writing my sermon because there are two types of churches. There are the churches where their doors are turned inwards and then there are the churches where their doors are turned outwards. And I want us to be the people whose doors are turned outwards. I know we're in Midtown, one of the richest areas in Atlanta proper, but there are still people who live in this area who are poor. And there are still people who live in this area who are poor in spirit. And there are still people who live in Atlanta who are on the fringes of society that do not know that God's love is for them and that God loves them also. And I want us not to stop. I'm, I'm afraid that we will stop. And I love to hear the stories of the church. I love when you tell me we used to be at 800 in attendance worship in church. And we used to do this and we used to do that. But as you're telling me the stories, I also want to hear yourself saying the word we used to. Because what it means is that you're not talking about what we're doing in the present and you're not talking about what we can do for the future. You're looking backwards. And we have to be a church that live in the moment that says, even though we had done this in the past, the God that we serve is a God of yesterday, today, and forever. And what it means is that the same God who made us do that way back when is the same God who is with us now and the same God who will be before us in the future. And as such, we can still serve and we can even do more than we have ever done before. Church, I don't know how to express it to you, but I feel it in my bones, 
in my being that God is doing a new thing and a different thing in the world and I want us to participate in this work. God is doing something in the world and I want us to be a part of it. I'm going to make a confession to you. I don't really talk about my private life, but I'll tell you this. I have this thing called FOMO, fear of missing out. And it's not, you know, people talk about fear of missing out on what happened at a party last night or fear of missing out on, you know, what happened on social media. That, that, that is not really my fear. One of my genuine fears is that I will miss out on what the Holy Spirit is doing. You can ask my family. When we were back home in Jamaica and they would come home, say one night, I, I used to work with the airlines and I would work long shifts and I would be tired and, and they would come home or my cousin would call me on the phone and told me that church was lit tonight. They'd tell me that, you know, oh, there was an evangelist and church was on fire and this person spoke in tongues and this person got a word. I would be disappointed. I would be sad because I'm saying, oh my gosh, I was not there. I was fearful that God had moved and I was not there. You know how Jacob said after he had slept in that place and he woke up the next morning and said, surely God was here and I did not know it? I have had many of those. Fear of missing out. I am afraid that I will miss out on what God is doing in the world. And I don't want to. God is doing something new and is calling us into this work with God. I'm going to make a statement and I don't want you to think that I'm irreverent. There are some things that God cannot do by God's self. I know it may seem strange, but there are some things that God cannot do by God's self. L let me explain. God can give us the knowledge to build an organ, but God is not going to come and play this organ for us. God will give us the gift of musicians and directors like John who is gifted. It's not God who's going to play the organ, it's us. God can provide all the resources for food, but it's us who are going to have to go and feed the people. That's why the Apostle Paul says that we are co-laborers with Jesus Christ. We are co-workers with Christ. And he tells us that we have all been given gifts, given gifts to use for the building up of God's kingdom. Isn't it a great time to be alive, church? A great time to be alive and to say that we're disciples of Jesus Christ? Because God is doing something in the world and I want us as a congregation to participate in this work. I want us to be rabble-rousers for God. You know how John Lewis talked about good trouble? I want us to do, create good trouble for God. I want us to go beyond these walls, continue to do what we're doing, but go beyond these walls into our neighborhoods and into the city and bring about the change where people will know that they too, no matter how they look, no matter how they smell, no matter how they dress, no matter how they associate themselves, that they too are loved by God. They too are dearly loved by God. And the kingdom of God has also come for them. Serving is one of the spiritual practices that we must do because we are disciples of Jesus Christ. And I pray this morning, I pray with all my heart,
that as a church, we will not stop. But not only will we not stop, but we will take it beyond the walls of this church. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen.